Hi and welcome to the podcast. You're having tea with Alice. This week I'm speaking with Damien Power in Melbourne, which is funny because we're both Sydney-based, but we caught up in Melbourne and we had this conversation. It's a long one because he's an interesting guy with interesting ideas and we rambled over a lot of turf from uh, why there aren't that many female anarchists to uh, education to... Computers in the Middle East, robots, sex robots, giant squid. It's I really enjoyed it. So I hope you also enjoy listening to it. I've been getting some lovely letters from you. As you can hear, I'm a bit sick um, because I've been working quite hard and things at home, as you know, are as they are, which is, you know, what they say in the... In the hospital, in the oncology world, in, in the in, in the oncology ward. Jesus, I can't even talk. <laughs> I'm going to leave you with this podcast, and I am more coherent in the podcast than I am right now. I apologise for the late thing. Uh, I was meant to be catching a plane this morning. It was delayed. Uh, internet was dodgy. All of these things happened. Excuses, excuses. I'm putting this up now. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, email me on alicerfraser at gmail.com if you want to chat. Um, I'd love to hear from you. I've been getting some nice emails. If Let me know when you email me whether you'd like me to um, read it out on air or rather don't just let me know if you'd like me not to read it out on air or if you prefer to be anonymous or any of those things. Um, that's that. I also recorded one with Tegan Higginbotham, which I was going to put up today, but I didn't because our voices sound exactly the same, so I have to find a way to edit around that because otherwise it just sounds like I'm sort of madly talking to myself. Uh, if you're in Sydney, come to my Fringe shows. I'm doing three different ones. Please come to the solo show or to all of them or to any of them. I don't mind. Um, I haven't done enough advertising for it, so come and bring friends. Uh, or tell friends if you're not in Sydney. Or just, you know, if you are not in Sydney and don't know anyone in Sydney, make a new friend and then send them. Um, you are having exhausted tea with Alice. Probably wash your hands after this. You might catch whatever I have. I'll see you next week. Bye. intellectual stuff with that stuff has always been the goal like as in completely absurd and silly and I'm having fun and the audience are having fun or sometimes stand up when you're doing political or social commentary or anything that's intellectualised it can seem a bit worky like you're doing, doing work or something I uh, find that hard with my stuff as well and also because with my upbringing I don't understand how con- confrontational it can be for some people mm. when I talk about death Mm. and stuff and also because of my mum being sick that Mm. like but now we have I'm going to probably pause this (laughs) Um, cut but yeah so yeah I don't and you also don't know because you've come to terms with those ideas. You That's stand-up everywhere, have. though, isn't it? Even the guy talking about, you know, the old joke of, you know, sleeping next to his wife and having sex with her. You know that old joke? No. People do where they're like, yeah, anyway, having sex with my wife the other night. <laughs> and then she woke up, which is basically rape, of course. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, anyway, even those people are like... Every, you know, any stand-up is sort of constantly facing that thing of like, well, I'm comfortable with this. Yeah. And some people aren't, you know. Yeah. This is my political view. This is what I think is funny. This is, I think, don't think this is sexist, uh, blah, blah, blah. But I think also because the way that you think is so um, natural to you. Yeah. That often you don't realise that people have to be stepped through it. Yes. Yes. 
definitely with commentary on social society politics for sure yeah especially that stuff because you're like this is why I think this and they're like what do you mean how can you think that and you've got to lay it out in yeah, step, step, like, step 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 yeah, step them up especially if you're it. using like big terms or anything like that yeah but you're so quite good at that you go from small to large and then back to small again yeah well that's the mechanism I use yeah to try and cram in yeah for some reason when I write I take really big ideas that are like even I have trouble trying to understand I don't know why I do this I don't know why but that's the thing that I sit down and want to write for some fucked up reason so it's just like I'm choosing the least funny thing Mm. and the most difficult to translate to a group of people that have come for a laugh and I spend time just trying to cram that into something that you know is like totally palatable yeah see I like that too and I don't think I'm as good as as you are Right. Um, I think you're very good at it, and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast. But for me, it, it's the moment of having like a, whoa, oh my God, like when you suddenly get an idea in your head that you mm. think is actually a really good idea or that mm. you, like, where you, your brain clicks into a new frame of understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A couple of things yeah. that give me that feeling are when you go from a suburb that you know to a suburb that you also know... Mm-hmm. And you didn't know they joined up at that point. Right. And then your kind of ho- whole worldview shifts. Wow, okay, That's kind yeah. of a really miniature version of when see, you have a yeah. really good idea. Or equally... Well, when you, rece- when you, when you understand an idea... Yeah, that moment. And then it literally changes the way you see the world. Yeah, that's what I really want to do with my stand-up. Like, I love that feeling so much and I want other people to have that mm. same feeling. Good stand-up does that, yeah. Yeah, and you just... That's, like, such a stupid kind of arrogant ambition I love that I love that feeling so much that's not arrogant and then the other the the other thing that happened that did that to me recently was I was talking to somebody who um, was from uh, from an anthropology background and she was telling me about a tribe of of Aboriginal people Mm. I don't know which one she didn't name them but she said they see time Mm -hmm. as linear in the same way that we do, mm-hmm. or, like much though we would like to believe that we understand quantum theory, that time is you know multi-dimensional, we mainly think of time as linear, going from behind to in front. But this Aboriginal tribe sees us as walking through time backwards, because you can see the past but you can't see the future, so the future must be there. <laughs> Right, that's fascinating. Which was the yeah, so that was the last time <laughs> I really clear heard that. Whoa, yeah, that makes sense. God, that's amazing. Got brilliant people. Yeah, so that was the last time brilliant I had like culture. a just a real switch over of the way I thought about something. And it's not one that sti- will stick. It's not one that's cha- actually changed my worldview, but it idea. is a mind-boggling idea, and it's just it, it's mind-boggling because it makes you think about why you think the things you think about what you think. Yes, 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 like, yes, yes. it made me realise that I see myself as walking through time forwards. Yeah. Even though I know mathematically or whatever, that's not correct. There's big ramifications on that idea too because in the West we spend a lot of time focusing on the past but and the future. Mm. And, you know, where are we going to be? What are your dreams? Follow your dreams, the, the mantra of the postmodern... Um, consumer Western Westerners follow your dreams, follow your dreams, and there's two key words there: follow, as in you'll never arrive, mm. and and dreams, which is an illusion that you'll never actually grasp, and that's why people like Robin Williams kill themselves is because they've chased this dream for so long, and then they're still left alone and depressed and unsatisfied with all the promises of fame and glory that and attention and all the things that they were promised, the dreams that they, you know, he was still following to his very last day. Because if he, he, you never grasp them. Yeah. And so, you know, this idea of, of the future, you know, walking backwards through time is this idea that you're looking at what, what has happened and what's in front of you is unknown. Whereas we like to think in the West that we can somehow control it. Yeah. You know, that, you know, you can manifest your, your dreams if you think about them enough and set goals and self-help books and all this when the truth is, is the future is completely chaotic. 
Yeah. You're not walking towards it like you've got some kind of destination. You're stumbling backwards. Yeah. I mean, for me, the one that I was brought up with was uh, the past and the future are broken plates, only the moment is whole. Yeah. And that's the Buddhist kind of thing. Like, Mm. there's no point in looking forward or looking back because only... This is something I'm really interested in at the moment is is ideology and that we all, you know, it's like Slajok, Zizek stuff, you know, you would have been into him, I'm sure. Anyway, he's a thinker. Um, for those people that haven't heard of him, he's very popular at the moment. Yeah. He's a Marxist thinker. Not that he rails against capitalism, really, but he's just very, very good at articulating postmodern culture and like where we're at now as human beings, post sort of religion mm. and post sort of um, communism, post capitalism, post fascism, and post ideologies that tore apart Europe in World War Two. Yeah. You know, there's this feeling that we're past all that now. We're atheist, logical, rational, <laughs> which is obviously, yes, completely untrue. So, yeah, so when, when, yeah, and that's the new idea that sort of shifted the whole way I look at things is that um, when you compare ideologies, like, that's, that's the thing, that's the problem with the Middle East, I think, is that the media and all, all of us, we're all focusing on the ideologies. We focus on fundamentalist Islam and we're going, they're the baddies or we're looking at America and their mass intervention and all the things that they've stirred up there. And, you know, if you look at ISIS, for example, that a lot of their leaders were previously in the Iraqi government, Ministry of Defence and soldiers that once were tortured and captured by the Americans and so forth. So there's this whole intertwined battle of ideas in the Middle East. Mm. So what I'm trying to say is that the problem is humans' desire for ideology itself. So we're all wearing these glasses of... Ideology is the group of ideas and beliefs that shape the way you see the world. And every human being on Earth has them, whether you be Indigenous, Western or white, Muslim, um, Turkish, fucking, you know, communist, whatever. They're all ways of seeing the world. And, they're, and they all have things in common. They're all violent. They're all... They're, they can be all violent towards you or towards other human beings who don't share your worldview. Mm. Um, and they're all contradictory and they're all... Uh, the, the people within them, I mean, that see these, you know... Yeah. See the world with, with these glasses on, as we all do. And that's what interests me, is how ideology, how you project your ideology... Pro- projects prejudices onto people and objects and the world. See, I'm fascinated by how people, even in the absence of an ideology or even in the presence of an ideology that demands self-examination, like Buddhism, yeah. people build in worship. Mm-hmm. So, for example, uh, the American Constitution. Mm. It's written into the Constitution that the Constitution itself should be rewritten every however many years mm. but it wasn't right and instead yeah. it's now being worshipped as this you know word yeah. of god and then you're yeah. like how do you ignore what it's saying to focus yeah. on what it's saying like because you you know what it's i mean classic ideology it's like uh how can christians hate homosexuality when God says forgive, or when you know, how can Christians be rich when, when, when Jesus specifically said, you know, don't don't have money, give all your money away, worship the poor. Yeah, yeah, the slave is the. How, how can object. how can Muslims fight Jews when the the Constitution of Medina stated that Muhammad was happy for all people to worship equally? All ideologies um, have things in common, including complete hypocrisy violence and all this which is part of the human you know condition or whatever you want to call it and you sort of went meh like as if to say there's ideologies that don't have that but when humans become part of an ideology things like you were talking about worship being you, you know something that is responsibility for your for yourself somehow i don't know i just think it's an interesting thing but like buddhists you know, have been violent in the past in certain parts of the world, fighting against Muslims or whatever. And my point is not that there's individuals within an ideology, like we're Westerners, so we live, we're deeply entrenched in a religion, mm. um, even though I'm an atheist. Mm. You know, a religion, an ideology. So it can always be corrupted, they can, people can always be coerced and can fight 
other ideologies. Well, I think the interesting thing is their worldview. how much responsibility you take for other people who share your general worldview and how general you're mm. willing to get. So, for example, there's the one true Scotsman fallacy, which is my natural reaction when you say Buddhists kill people. Mm. I go, you can't be Buddhist and kill people. Oh, of course. Buddhism yeah. is not a religion in that Again, way. Again, a classic symptom of an ideology. It's about the practice, and if mm. you're not practicing the five precepts, one of which is don't, and then you go... Where there are Christians for nuclear armament. Yeah. There are a <laughs> lot of Christians in America with guns. Yeah, exactly. Who will kill mm. for their families, and that's... You're right, exactly. Not yeah. just one of the, like... It's not just that... And what Jesus I'm saying is that's every ideology. That's every ideology. Yeah. It's completely contradictory. In the West, we're about equality and fairness and democracy, yet, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we have iPhones that are made in horrible conditions and we have um, a democracy that's corrupted by corporate interests, you know, especially in America and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's interesting. I Did you see this movie Snowpiercer? No. You can see where it's going, and then I see, I think, where it got derailed by somebody who wanted a happy ending. Right. Because it's... I'll spoil it uh, for you, because it's still worth watching. The, the, it's a story of the post, um, post-apocalyptic world, uh-huh. where the only surviving members of humanity are on a train that travels around the world one rotation a year. I think Zizek talked about this, didn't he, in one of his lectures? Possibly. It's yeah. it's built off a, um, a graphic novel. Right. But the people at the back of the train are the poor, the people at the front of the train are the rich, the train controller is at the front of the train, and everyone back from there is wealthy or less wealthy, uh, right to the back of the train where it's cattle cars. Mm-hmm. And the people at the back of the train decide they want a revolution, Mm-hmm. led by this one man mm-hmm. and he's the only one who makes it to the front of the train right and then he's confronted by this train driver mm-hmm. who invented the train and says look I want to give you the train because I'm getting old and tired and someone's going to need to do it this train needs to run forever because we're it's humanity this is the last bastion of humanity what if the train stops do they get it freezes it's frozen the world is frozen so if the train stops everyone will freeze to death almost immediately so at the beginning of the train like punishment is like you put your arm out and it freezes off and falls off so it's this so what the train moving creates heat for the cabins or something yeah the train is on a perpetual motion thing which runs the heat which runs everything else everything the fact that it's moving you know it's a conceit I don't, you don't worry too much about the engineering logistics. I want to know about the engine. <laughs> well, the thing is that no, uh, sometimes they take children from the back of the train. Right. For an unknown purpose. And when he's at the front of the train being offered the train, mm. he says no. Okay. And then he realises that the children are being used as the machine parts. Someone else causes an explosion and knocks the train off the rails and then not oh. most people die and then a few people walk out of the train. It's a bad ending because what should have happened was the train driver goes, you're special, which he says. Mm-hmm. I set this whole thing up mm-hmm. to bring you to the front of the train mm-hmm. because you have this insight and wisdom and you're smart and you're a leader mm-hmm. and people will believe in you because you've overthrown the reigning government which is a good thing to do in terms of getting people behind you Mm -hmm. and I'm kind of scary so now you've replaced me and you'll get a lot of leeway out of that for imposing rigid restrictions on people's lifestyles Mm -hmm. this perfect balance runs people at the back are at the back because you need hierarchies in human society that's Mm -hmm. people create that if they don't exist you create that Mm -hmm. and then he lifts up the thing at the bottom and you realize that there are children replacing machine parts because the machine parts wear out. Right. And what should have happened at the end of that film is he accepts that. Right. Because we do. Right, yeah. But the happy ending would be that he goes, this is wrong. Yeah. 
And this is wrong, but this is what in the happy ending he says this is wrong, and the train derails, and most of humanity dies. Right, like this right. is what's touted as the happy ending. Right. <laughs> yeah, I see what you're saying. Like yeah. only a few survivors walk out, and it's actually not that cold after all. That's the happy. Is that, ending. So, so they do survive. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the so it's the, changed it's a bit. Been, or yeah, basically, it's the snow's been melting a bit, and now it's not horrific. <laughs> right. And there's like a polar bear left. Like that's the happy ending, which I think is a shitty cop out. Because the real answer is... Yes, yeah, they accept it, yeah. If you overthrow the dictator mm. in a carefully balanced ecosystem like this train, mm-hmm. you need a dictator because it's a carefully balanced ecosystem because you can't mm. throw things around, you can't throw your weight around because... Mm. Food is limited, resources are limited, mm. energy is limited, people can only be fed a certain amount. You can't have... Well, arguably you could have an anarchy sort of cooperative, but then you're trusting a lot of people. Well, I'll tell you one thing. Let's start getting ready for that train because <laughs> uh, the way things are going. Yeah. So I'm better build that perpetual motion engine because the winter is coming. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I think that's the core of a lot of political beliefs, isn't it? Like anarchy, for example, is that could humans survive without a power hierarchy? And I... Don't think so. I don't think so. I yeah, don't. Yeah, well, that, that, that's a fundamental flaw in anarchy then, if you believe that. Because if you believe that, then, yeah, anarchy is the idea of complete dissolving of all power structures. It's radical self-reliance, Right. Which is a lovely idea. For anarchy, you need mm. to be community-driven, community-driven, self-reliance without power structures overseeing everything. Yeah. If you, a, <laughs> most people are lazy. That's why ideologies work. You don't mm. want to think about what you think about something. Mm. You just want to look at the shelf that goes, "What's my opinion on this?" and pull it out. Right. Right. Interesting point. Yeah. It's really inefficient. Mm. Humans naturally let tend towards efficiency, which is another word for laziness sometimes. Mm. Because you can't think about how your fingers move when you're typing because if you think about it too hard, you stop being able to do it. Mm-hmm. If, if I have mm-hmm. to think about why I choose to put on trousers every morning rather than mm. walking out of the house naked mm. in terms of like, do I think that wearing clothes is a social restriction or a valid yeah. thing or if I have to think about every element of, of what I do mm. um my life I sit staring at a wall all day you know I can't function yeah yeah and so at a more extreme level people don't want responsibility for what they do people love shuffling off responsibility Mm. that's why one person was put in jail after the GFC and that's 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 kind of thing that interests me is that when you're in an ideology first of one point is that when you're in an ideology you see it as normal yeah. Like no one, if on just everyday people, you go, you know, we're part of a full-on religion, like you know, an ideology here in the West that's on par with violence and suffering and all that kind of thing and inequality is say Islam. Yeah. People would think you were fucking crazy. Yeah. Um, because we are in the ideology, we're yeah. living it and breathing it every day, and we think that way, and so we would perceive other, you know, tribalist cultures or you know, religious states is totally insane. Yet, you know, you look at something like X Factor, which celebrates this bizarre, illusionary (laughs) meets reality world where celebrity demagogues judge pass judgment on people's lives and the cash prize is the the winner and it's short-lived fame and this sort of bizarre, voyeuristic, um, cult-like... The engineering of, of fame and then the, the demise and the macabre kind of... Well, all these corporate um, entities around those famous people just profit off them like a human commodity. Like, that's fucking insane. And sick and la-di-da. But then we look at the GFC and these people just ripped off the world with trillions of dollars. Yeah. And... It's the same cultural values as the X Factor. Yeah. They're like the winners of the X Factor. They cheated, they deceived, they put on a face, 
they had ideas of grandeur they had all the all the elements of what basically is psychopathy um you know the same as a reality contestant and they won the big prize you know they they did it and that, that that's our culture playing itself out millions of people suffered people were unemployed lost their jobs killed themselves it had a ripple effect throughout the world ruining countries forever there's a rise of fascism in greece as a result um all funded by these these corporate entities are the same ones that are in bed with the military industrial complex that's bombing kids in yemen i mean and we think our culture is isn't god i mean i tell you what it's on par with fundamentalist islam suicide bombers oh that's fucking crazy i think a really good example is like if you ask anyone fairly simple basic ethics question most people agree that you shouldn't use people instrumentally as in you shouldn't use capitalism is based on that but yeah. yeah you shouldn't punish people who are not responsible for whatever's happened as a way of hitting somebody else if somebody commits a crime, you shouldn't beat their family. Right, right. Because those, those, the family is not responsible. Okay, yeah. That's a Western sort of tenet of our kind of individualistic yeah. culture is people are responsible for their own actions. You shouldn't mm-hmm. punish people collectively. Yeah. You shouldn't use people as an example mm-hmm. for other people. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, when we first settled Sydney, mm. there's a small island in Sydney Harbour called Fort Denison mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they have a gallows they had a gallows there right in after Sydney was settled for 50 to 100 years there was a gallows there where mm-hmm. criminals they were all criminals but the worst criminals were hanged mm-hmm. and so ships sailing into Sydney Harbour would see these hanged men right and they would look at those hanged men and what those hanged men said with their rotting corpses was, don't commit crime in this colony. Yeah. And it worked pretty well. After the first generation of convicts, the second generation of Australians, the first Australian-born Australians uh, of British origin, um, were the least criminal society in the world. Right. In one generation. Mm-hmm. And you look at that... The, hanging criminals in the harbour mm-hmm. as an example and we think of that as barbaric mm-hmm. because you don't use people as a an example like that you don't use corpses to frighten people mm-hmm. yeah yeah but what are we doing with Nauru and right. Papua New Guinea it's exactly the same thing we're punishing people yeah for what is not a crime mm. because we want to scare other people mm. from trying the same thing. I think it says a lot about the power of media to convince people in Australia that that's okay. Yeah. And that's part of ideology as well is, is, is obviously... We're not even pretending that's not what we're doing to try and it's scare other people you. off. Yeah, yeah. Allegedly because we're scared of them drowning themselves. Mm. Even if that's a rational thing, which it's a, it is, it's a reasonable thing not to want people to drown themselves. And it's weird how, of course, first of all, refugees will never end because of constant war and suffering in the world, so it's ridiculous anyway. And secondly, could you? I mean, how much of it could you link to Western involvement in the Middle East and other imperialist ventures that have resulted in, you know, or, or global banking that has resulted in poverty and war that ends up causing refugees that end up weirdly <laughs> here yeah here it's like we're going yeah we'll get involved in Afghanistan there's fucking Afghanis wanting to get here from the war can't come here mate send the soldiers over there yeah it's, you know so dumb to pick sides yeah it's dumb to pick sides because it's it's <laughs> they're all fucked America's fucked Israel's fucked Palestine's fucked ISIS is fucked they're all human ideologies playing out. They're, they're evolutionarily speaking, ideas battling for dominance. Yeah. To pick an idea is wrong. Do you know, does, that, does that sound... Yeah, does, no, no, I agree with what crazy? you mean. I, think, I don't think the ideas are wrong. I think the people... I think the people like to be able to abdicate responsibility. 
I'm not yeah. beating my wife because I'm a bad person. I'm beating my wife because... Of all ideas, blah, blah, blah. I yeah. believe... Well, you know what I mean? I'm not killing Maybe this man I'm because I'm angry. I'm killing him for America. Ideas or, use human beings, you know? See, I, I believe human the opposite. Human beings use ideas. I use, yeah, I think human beings prefer not to take responsibility for what Well, either doing. way, I guess the point I'm trying to say is, if you... Um, Say Islam, Christianity, Western imperialism, and uh, Israel, Judaism, Israeli state didn't exist. Instead, they were the same geographical areas, and it was the people that loved vanilla ice cream, the people that loved strawberry ice cream, and the people that loved chocolate ice cream. Yeah. Be the same situation. Every dude's <laughs> dropping fucking bombs, just like. I can't believe they eat strawberry ice cream. It's fucking ridiculous. They're trying to take our land so they can have more strawberry ice cream than our vanilla ice cream. A friend of mine contends that that um, Dr. Seuss book where they go to war over butter side up or butter side down, Mm -hmm. he thinks that's one of the best pieces of political satire ever written. Yeah, well, I agree. That's that's the point I'm trying to make. So picking sides is like... It's it's people using ideas. You're right. It's people using ideas. As people, we must use ideas to justify our actions, yeah. and and so there will forever be war because humans because human ideologies will forever battle for dominance. I had a really interesting theory you might not have heard. And it's actually in one of my jokes um, about football players, or um, which is the idea that so why. Why do humans have to use these ideas like this? Yeah. Why are they so violently protecting them? Violently propagating them? Why? And this guy's theory was that it's because... We're, first of all, we're the only conscious being, which means that we know we're going to die. Mm. Ducks don't know they're going to die. They just swim and eat bread and shit, and then they're like, oh, Steve's dead, bread. <laughs> um, we know we're going to die. That's pretty full on yeah that's a full on that's a full on thing to know isn't it yeah it's a full on thing when you really have a moment of registering it well this guy would argue the two maps clicking together in your head well well obviously yeah I mean I know what you're talking about and you know oh god you know I just saw someone get hit by a bus blah 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 right um uh but I'm talking about... He would argue unconsciously, unconsciously, yeah. we know we're going to die and it, and, and it has a massive effect on our conscious mind. And he would argue that these ideas, these ideologies, these religions of consumerism, Western ideology, Israeli, Palestine, whatever, are an attempt by us to attach to something immortal, something that will live on forever, something that will live on beyond us, something bigger than us. Mm our chance to be part of immortality and mm. it's our unconscious mind going don't you fucking fuck with my immortality it's my strawberry ice cream you don't tell me the fucking you're gonna put vanilla ice cream instead of strawberry don't tell me that you, you you can't attack my fucking muslim my muslim idea that's interesting because that's mm. in a um so with um the internet. Mm-hmm. Be- the, again, I'm, I'm sort of harping on Buddhist stuff at the moment a bit because I've been thrown back to my childhood um, thinking about my mum. But the idea is that your identity is not constant. True. And you're constantly mm-hmm. dying. The yeah. only thing that exists is this continuum, and that's yeah. what we call identity. Yes. So you're not the same person as you were when you no. were a three-year-old. Literally. There's yeah. nothing about nothing you about that you is the same. same. Yeah. Physically, mentally. Yeah. And so there's a kind of a general responsibility because you're set part of the same continuum, mm-hmm. but you're not... Who I was yesterday is dead. Mm. So on a particulate level, maybe the use of social media, this constant urge we have to put stamps on every mm. moment mm. as each moment dies mm. and ceases to exist, mm. maybe that's the same urge mm. to print the dead self into immortality by... Mm. Mm. By saying what you had for breakfast on Twitter. <laughs> well, I'm going to die. So, hey, guys, I'm going to the beach. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I just had a funny thought. 
If I don't tell everyone, it will have gone forever. I'm not writing down your idea, by the way. It's I, just, right. I, I was just writing down that what I said before. I thought that was about the Middle East, and I like the yeah, because this is what I wanted my show to be about. Mm. Was the um, was the was was ideology and why we have it and why we need it and focusing on the ideology we do have here in the West. You know, because that would be a bit of a revelation to some people that we're even in an ideology. Yeah. Because Zizek talks a bit about that, like we're post-ideology. And that's and what... And how he thinks that that's funny that people could ever think that. The theory of benign violation that is some people's theory of comedy relies on us as comedians constantly knocking and unsettling and re... Um, drawing people's attention to all of the things that make up their ideology in a in a pleasant non-threatening way mm. you only think that because you've been told to think that just all, all of most of jokes are making you think about why you think things because they're unsettling you do you know the evolutionary theory element, well, well, sorry, evolutionary theory idea of jokes as well? No, tell me. Um, I, I don't have proper citations and I feel like a bad academic, but um, the idea is humour, laughter, mm. is a response to cognitive dissonance. It's the reward your brain gives you for closing a gap in your thinking. Where are my glasses? Oh, they're on my head. Ha 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 ha. Okay. The world is not as I thought it was. Uh-huh. Because my glasses can already be on my head, but they're not on my eyes, so I couldn't see them. Um, so it's a reward your brain gives you, and you go, oh, the world's actually this way. And it's why humour works really well um, on a political scale, because most of the time, as I was saying before, we're very efficient. We don't examine our assumptions. And, in fact, if you argue against somebody's assumptions, they double down on them. Anti-vaccination propagandists, no matter how much um, data you show them, no no matter how much solid research you show them, they get more entrenched in their idea. Mm. Don't fuck with my immortal idea. They get really more certain. Mm -hmm. Like, on a scale of certainty, they actually scientifically get more certain the more evidence they're presented with. Yeah, that's a common psychological thing. You can't argue with them. You cannot mm. argue with or them. Or anyone's ideology. Or anyone. To a degree. But what happens when you laugh? Yeah, because you, you re-examine... Because you have been wrong mm. and you've resolved something that was wrong, your mind goes, what did I miss? And for a brief moment, while your brain is flooded with those laughter chemicals, you actually open up. Mm. And you can... Have an idea, have a new idea that doesn't just have to be slotted into your ideology. It can be a completely new idea. It can change the way you see the world. And I really like that theory. It makes me really happy. I've heard those sort of things before, is that, that yeah, that, that, that laughter opens you up to receiving ideas. Tell a joke at the beginning of a speech. If I said to you, America's a bad country, you might go, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, but if I... You know, made a joke about it. Good, and, um, and you draw you, attention like, oh, to the ridiculousness, yeah. the gap, and you go, "Oh, you're right. There is that gap. I've closed that gap. Which why is did I?" What John, someone like John Stewart, and all that do so brilliantly. That's why they're so effective. It's why yeah, people watch that's why them. people watch it more than the news. Yeah, I can't watch commercial news. It just it looks like a parody of news to me. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah, because it's, a joke. it's so structured. It can't oh, it's be reality. Just so lacks depth and is completely biased and so superficial and so like so soundbitey mm. that it's just like well like you're gonna brush through that and that's why I got to go on the net is you know lard you know Al Jazeera or something like that or New York Times or something you see it all written out and and compare yeah oh yeah you can't just go to one news source but Al Jazeera is really good but obviously every news source has its bias or its perspective. Maybe the next time you're reading the news, just to make sure that you're not buying into your own ideology, you just have like a YouTube video of people falling down that you <laughs> click to between. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good, yeah. <laughs> so that you keep your mind yeah. open. Yeah, here's a guy jumping into a cactus bush, <laughs> which is one of my favourite videos. Really? Yeah, there's a guy jumping into a cactus oh, bush. God. He's like, oh, fuck, Steve, no, <laughs> seriously, get me out. 
pull me out, Al. No, fuck. He's just screaming like, fuck, fuck. You like he just did it as a what? dare. Oh, oh. Like a jackass <laughs> sort of spirit. It's such a bad spirit. How bad does how bad and empty of meaning does your life have to be that you decide to jump into a cactus bush for your fifteen minutes of fame? Yeah, or not even. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck that's about. You see people doing graffiti on buses. Mm. I always thought they were just um, disrespectful or entitled or didn't regard property as valuable, other people's work as real. Like people who kick over bins or whatever. Yeah. You're like, you don't understand that other people are going to have to clean that up in a very real sense. But then they're getting employed. But I saw um, somebody doing graffiti on a bus and they were so excited and so happy and it was such an achievement for them. They were like, they were like really? secret and it was a big plan and then it was like fucking high-fiving and everything and I was like, oh, you just have such misdirected ambition. Like, you just... That's like a, an achievement. That's yeah. your achievement. And this what this cactus guy's achievement, like, that's what he thought was going to make him feel good about himself and give him recognition or... It's low self-esteem, man. Holy shit. Like, would he do it without a camera? But how old was he? I don't know. You've seen this cactus bush video. Oh, you mean the kids? No, I meant the kids, the graffiti people you were just oh, talking about. You know, they were youths between yeah. 15 and 19, I guess. Oh, man, but the dumb shows do graffiti and stuff and yeah. get arrested by the police and, oh, God, dumb stuff. Do you have a criminal record? No, I don't, actually. No. Oh, that's sad. I thought you were going to be like, do you have a criminal record? Because we can't do this podcast. <laughs> no, I'm not judgmental in that way. Other ways, yes. <laughs> We're all judgmental, that's for sure. Language is a huge part of consciousness. Yeah. You don't have ideas until you can articulate them. Yeah, yeah. And ideas can be like viruses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which I think is interesting. I'm trying to do this bit at the moment that I think is really funny, but it's 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 one of it's a classic example of what we were just talking about. Yeah. Of trying to boil it down something massive into something small, and the bit is basically that I'm like sometimes I segue into it like this. I'm like anyway, I do this a lot. And I said okay, anyway, let's talk about something a little bit a little more lighthearted, something a little bit lighter. We are the only conscious beings on the planet, and uh, that's a huge deal. Except maybe giant squid. Maybe giant squid. <laughs> they do art, you know. <laughs> they found an underwater giant. cave with some giant squid. I'll put a note down, except maybe... Giant squid. <laughs> Although they don't know the motivation for the art. It could just be some yeah. sort of weird oh, well, no, sex but thing. It, yeah, I just Often think it's a funny line to say, except maybe giant squid. We don't know. <laughs> but anyway... We're the only conscious beings, right? Every other animal before us was just eat, fuck, sleep, eat, fuck, sleep, eat, fuck, sleep. And then we were the first people to be able to question the universe. Why are we here? What's going on? Oh, my God, I'm conscious. We're literally the universe perceiving itself. We should be walking around like gods going, wow, what are the possibilities of human consciousness? But instead, we've got to fix photocopiers and shit. Like, it seems like such a waste. Like, eat, fuck, sleep, eat, fuck, sleep. What the fuck is magenta? Do you know what I mean? Like, why do we have to... It just seems like such a waste of consciousness. Like, I I just think people underestimate the fact that we're alive. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. That's a good... um, I like the fact that we've... We've fixed everything, and yet we're still... fixing photocopiers. Like, we're making work for ourselves. Yeah, like technology is meant to free us up, but we're busier than ever. Yeah, people work five, six days a week. And they take their work home with them now on their phone. And they work... Yeah, when I was a lawyer, I would go in at 6.30 in the morning because I wanted to leave early to go to a gig. God. And early was 6.30 or 7 or 7.30. That was early to leave. When I ran in my running squad, there was someone who was working in a corporate 
firm and she would come to athletics training from 6pm to 9pm and then go back to work. That's not unusual. We have robots. Why aren't we working towards a society where there's no money? And where robots genetically modified because the profit motive works. The reason yeah, that the West is predominant is because people have ownership over things and that is a motive. Yeah, that's right. It's like, give up your money, Gina Reinhardt, and give it to the poor. No, I want a billion trillion dollars. Yeah, I've been having struggles with capitalism recently. I wrote an article today because I, at the moment, this week, I'm super pro-capitalism because I want the doctors who are treating my mum to have crippling mortgages. Like, I want them to what be do you mean? so... Oh, because they've got to work harder. Yeah, I don't want them to be doing it for the love of it. Fuck that. Love doesn't last. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's an interesting contradiction, isn't it? Like, like, the profit motive could very well destroy the human species, but at the same time, you know, I couldn't be fucked um, working on your broken leg, mate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, compa- compassion fatigue is a real thing. You can't care forever. So what motivates you then? If and if you're well, doing that's, it, that's true. Yeah. What motivates maybe, you? Maybe maybe they could have another form of motivation that isn't power. For people, it's power, sex, or the threat of death. Well, that's what I'm saying. Sex. Sex. Doctors get more sex. Well, maybe there's a special <laughs> robot that's like a crazy sex robot. That's like this amazing Asian fucking sex robot. Just I don't know that's just my personal. Anyway, um, and and they're just like, yeah, you're gonna get the octagony. I know why it's called octagony sex robot, and it's just the wildest shit that is, you know, going to fucking like just it reads your mind and it just does everything that your mind wants mm. in every way you want, but only the top surgeons or whatever get to it. <laughs> And then there'd be no more war. Because there'd be no more power in the world because money would be gone. It'd just be a lot of really exhausted doctors. People would probably fight to steal octagonies from different countries and there'd be war over. You know, there'd have to be a pretty underground bunker fucking centre would make some. Yeah. But, yeah. (laughs) I like that. Yeah. I like that. See, my ideas constantly change, but at this stage, um, I'm going to say yes because I don't know enough about what a society would be like if there wasn't private ownership. Mm. So I, I just don't think I'm educated enough to answer that. Yeah, that's nice. It's nice that you don't have an opinion. It's unusual. <laughs> I've got opinions about a lot of things, but I just don't know how it would work without private ownership. It's not something I've done enough research into. I've got a friend who's an anarchist and he is rallying against private ownership and just thinks it's absurd and yeah Shane Hunter he's an interesting dude yeah he's definitely an anarchist who's anti-private ownership and anti-capitalism I think there's a reason that the majority of libertarians and anarchists are men hmm that's interesting are they? yes I think the libertarian thing they probably are, but... Yeah. It's a similar... Anarchists and libertarians are similar in depends their views. On, depends on... Depending the, on how radical they are. No, well, there's an anarchist socialists mm. and there's anarchist capitalists. Yes. And anarchist capitalists are very similar to libertarians. Yes. In fact, they'd almost be the same thing. They're basically unrestricted capitalism and private ownership yeah, without ownership. any government intervention, whereas anarchist libertarian socialists on the other side, believe in the dissolving of all power structures, okay, I'll, government I'll make it and m- private. I'll make a more general and less contentious and therefore more contentious point. Anyone who believes in the dissolution of regulatory structures mm-hmm. is probably, in my experience... A white middle-class male. Somebody who <laughs> believes that in the absence of structures, they would rise to the top. Wow. Obviously, that would be... Somebody, generally, who's never felt Unconsciously, they would feel that. Unconsciously, yeah, unconsciously they would they, feel their like Their motivations that. are that. If you are a woman, 
who has been in the world, mm. it's likely that you've been in a situation with somebody who's bigger and stronger mm-hmm. and is looking at you mm-hmm. like they want to do you damage of some kind. Mm. And the only reason that you are safe is because you own a telephone. Yeah, right. Police yeah. are five minutes away, max. Yeah. There are other people, there are laws, there's a threat of force, there's other people, there's, you know, there's government structures, they've got a workplace to go to, there's, you know, all of these things. Roads, lighting, light, lighting at night means run by the government, own, publicly owned roads, means that I can walk home at night alone. I think that's a really interesting insight into the motivations of an anarchist. And, I mean, the idea of power and, and that, yeah, that, that there are people in the society that need protection that wouldn't feel that way because people with privilege go, well, what protection? That's really interesting. I don't interesting. need protection. But I do think that you would get a lot of that. Like, it's anti-women against feminism. I don't need... Women who are putting up signs saying, I don't need feminism because I'm not a victim. And you go, no, you're not a victim. But without feminism, you would have been sold by somebody to somebody else. Yeah, they owe a lot to feminism. Like, without, without structures and regulation, it really is, no matter what people say, and it would, it would be lovely if people but were see, nice. But see, the, the only thing I say about that is that in an anarchist society, I think there would be lights, there would be protection, there would be police, and there would be those things. It's just that they would be more community-driven and wouldn't fall under the umbrella of a greater power structure. But then if you don't have a and there greater would be, power structure... there would be justice and things. And yeah, you have, then you have nice, small, self-contained, self-regulating... Which would be highly corruptible, I ...units, guess. in which case all you need is one charismatic guy that wants to take over the village that's over the hill. Yeah, that's the thing. That's an interesting point because, I mean, yeah, power structures are highly corruptible so they should be all dissolved, but then isn't without having power structures highly corruptible? What you want in any government is built-in inefficiencies. Built-in checks and balances. Yeah, you want it to be able to move as slowly as it can still be functional. Yeah. So that it can't really do that much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that it, it ends up in a sort of a grinding mediocrity, mm. but at least it doesn't end up in passionate violence that often. Mm. That often. Mm. It still does. For a sec. We should probably wrap this up anyway. 